0: What's going on everyone? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Cinemania. I'm your host Marvin Sandoval. I'm really excited about this episode because we're bringing it back. We're bringing back the interviews where we have guests on the show, whether they're videographers, photographers, entrepreneurs, or just people who like to talk about mental health or just personal growth. Um, Today we have Christian Carranza from California. Really excited to have him on the show. He is a young entrepreneur like myself, who works a full day job while balancing, you know, being a video creator for, uh, for himself, for clients. And just talking about, you know, the trials and tribulations that come with that, with balancing a full-time job and then something that you want to create and make, you know, your living around. Christian and I met uh, via Zach Kravitz. Zach Kravitz uh, hosted a cinematography course that he and I both took part in. Uh, He and I found that there was just so much value in his course, there was so much to learn, so much to gain, and I got to talk to him a little bit about what he gained from that, what his thoughts were about professional development. Personally, I myself, when I was thinking about taking the course, I was in this situation where, you know, I knew I was a good videographer, I had more to learn. But I didn't know if I wanted to pay for a course necessarily. And we both talked about it on this episode, the importance of professional development as a creative and just how much it can just teach you and just show you that you can do so much more and just by learning by, from someone new. And we talk about more things about, you know, taking that leap of faith, believing in yourself um, and starting anew, you know, leaving that comfort of a full-time job that has benefits, salary, and doing something that your your heart is invested into, something that you consider your calling. So make sure to go check out Christian's work. His Instagram handle is christian.caranza. That's C-A-R-R-A-N-Z-A dot seven five four. I'll say it again, christian.caranza.754 on Instagram. So enjoy the interview, guys. See you guys next oh, week. No. done with your
1: negativity. I'm done with your negativity, yeah. Yeah, man. How's everything going? Going really good right now,
0: actually. Uh, what about you? Uh, doing pretty well. It's been a crazy week, just like with, you know, I also work in nine-to-five, so like balancing that, you know, balancing clients, trying to balance a life, <laughs> all, all uh, that good stuff.
1: Oh, so you know exactly, like, what it is to, you know, do the nine-to-five, trying to do this thing, too. Oh, I'm glad I also didn't even know that you working nine to five also doing that. So that makes it really, really cool. And, uh, you know, easily relatable.
0: Oh dude, like my time is so, it has to be very disciplined in a sense. Like if I'm outside of work, I have to dedicate time to my clients or creating, or I'm trying to like watch television or maybe play a video game if I have time. So it's just like gnarly in the sense of like, just being able to balance everything, make sure things work um and making sure that everything's done appropriately
1: yeah i hear you man you got to be super disciplined with it i totally understand like last night um i was driving home well my boss gave me a drive my boss gave me a work a drive damn i can't speak i swear just like when i'm on camera (laughs) he was giving me a ride back from work because my car was having some problems and you know i came back and you know my normal thing is you know work nine to five and then i come home and for the rest of the time the rest of the night usually i just edit and, you know, the only time I really get to watch a show or a YouTube video or whatever is when I eat. So I was eating dinner and I, I'm watching that new show that I'm pretty sure you've heard about, um, A Haunting or The Haunting of Hill House, oh, right?
0: It's incredible. Incredible. Right?
1: Right? And I was just telling my girlfriend, and like, I was like, damn, I could just sit here and just binge watch the hell out of this. But, you know, you got to be disciplined in that sense. Because w- once you get back into your zone and you're editing, you totally forget about it because your mind is just occupied with like, doing the project and you're so consumed on the vision you have and stuff but yeah
0: it's easy to get lost in i i think i call it like the editing zone where you'll start like at seven o'clock at night you just edit you're kind of just digging it you're going through the footage you're organizing you're skimming through you're like what am i going to tell here you look at the clock and it's like eleven thirty at night and you're like holy shit like i have to be up at work You know, I have to be there at 8.30, so I have to wake up at 6.30 in the morning. Like, I need to get to rest, like, now. Good thing I even checked the time because it's so easy to get trapped in that zone.
1: Oh, yeah. I hear you 100%. the same exact way for me. Usually, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, I mean, that's, like, when I could get the majority of the editing done. But, like, for example, like, Friday nights, that's usually, you know, when I work 9 to 5, and then I come home, eat dinner, and all that, and then I edit, and the next thing I know, it's, like, 2 in the morning. And I'm, like, oh, damn. Good thing. It's Friday and I don't have to work Saturday and Sunday. So that way I could, you know, edit a little bit and rest easy. Because last night I had a I had a bang too. So I was just on one. I could have kept going until like, you know, five in the morning. But I'm just like, it's probably a good idea to go to bed now.
0: Yeah, sleeping is, you know, a pretty uh, fundamental part of existing. And especially with editing, yeah. it's so easy to just want to stay up. I remember um, it's funny because uh, I was like just looking back and thinking about, You know, three years ago, very similar to you, uh, when I first started editing, it was like this thing that it was the only thing I thought about. Like during the day, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna film this and I'm gonna edit this way." And you just have this idea that comes out in the middle of the night. And I remember there were a couple of mornings where I'd wake up at three in the morning, before work, and like just edit all morning, like break of dawn before work. I'm just gonna bang out these edits and it's just one of those things where if you know that's something that's uh fueling you inside that it's it could be your calling and that's something that i've been like kind of understanding more what a calling is
1: yeah i hear you 100 percent man you have gotta have that that balance and it's like a lot of the you know people ask cause i'm sure you know too of like when people like find out that you work in n5 or even people at work and like damn where do you find the time to do this and like i don't know i just i just do it like If it it wasn't up – well, if it was up to me, 100%, I could do this for, like, you know, 12 hours, like, straight. I would just go – I have to, like, force myself to take breaks and go for a walk and, you know, go do something else and then come back to the editing later because it's so easy, like you said, just – you get consumed in it. Next thing you know, your back hurts. You haven't eaten anything. You had like, 200 steps in, and it's, like, 5 o'clock at night, and you're like, I should probably – give it a break what do you say to the people i mean you know
0: i again you and i very similar working nine to five and i would make time to do this you know a lot of people say like oh i don't have time to say a exercise or b pick up a hobby c maybe start photography or filming or starting a business you know what is something that you say to them or how do you uh, handle those conversations because i'm someone that is Like, no excuses. Like, if it's a priority, you will make time. Like, we all have 24 hours. You can make the time. Uh, How do you uh, have those conversations, especially with people you care about?
1: Yeah, it's hard. I totally get where you're coming from, man. Because it's hard to, like, not – it's hard to say something like that and not come off like a jerk or not come off like like a Gary V. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the guy. But, like, and I freaking – I freaking hate – the, the most annoying word in the entire human di- human dictionary is grind. I hate that word so much. <laughs> I will I will not use it. But it's just like, it's hard to say. You just got to, not you just got to do it, but I used to say you just got to make time. But I heard something the other day, maybe it was on Chase uh, Chase Tuning's podcast, but he says something like, you can't make time. You can only, you know, like prioritize and, you know, audit time. It was that episode he was doing with, um. I forgot the guy's name was, but he would literally time. The amount of time it took it took him to do daily activities and he had showered down to like five minutes or whatever but that's all really come down to is like yeah i could you know i spend the majority of my nights editing actually that's what i spend all my nights doing is editing but like (laughs) i think about it what would i be doing watching tv show um playing video games you know things like that and it just i just choose to prioritize that because i love it and you know it's not worth binge watching a show or playing a video game instead of taking the time to do this because I genuinely love it. And I just get lost in it too. Like you know, like like I said the other night I was thinking to myself like damn, I could really just sit here and just binge watch the show for like hours. And it's also hard to like portray that message without making it sound like it's your job. You know? Yeah. Like like if you're gonna prioritize it, like it makes it sound like, oh I'm making a sacrifice. It's like not necessarily that. It's just, you know, you have bigger things you want to do. And it's not, I wouldn't even call it a grind. I don't call it a grind because I I like legitimately enjoy it. You know, I just, I'm trying to make, you know, trying to make some moves. And, you know, I know that this is going to require a lot of time, which I don't mind doing because like I said, I love it. But I know it's just like a phase, you know, eventually there will be hopefully like, you know, a time where. I can do this full time and I won't have to spend, you know, nine, 10, 11 hours at work and I could do this, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you, um, or let's say actually, what is your goal that you're trying to attain right now?
0: Let's say like in the next year, what is the thing that you're looking most forward to doing, um,
1: especially with having your career and then doing this, what would be the next move for you? Man, you know, I've actually not told anybody this at all, not in person, maybe like two people. But all right, I'm just going to say it. So within the year or within a year, not the year, but a year, I want to hopefully be successful enough to quit my nine to five and be doing this cinematography, photography, be doing it full time and moved out to Austin, Texas. That's my goals right now.
0: And why Austin, Texas? What's out there for you?
1: I just, the people, the environment, man, I love it. And honestly, I know you, I know you watch Nick Barron stuff and like, you know, you're familiar with uh, some of the channels that are out there already, but honestly, I wanted to move out to Texas way before like that. Everybody and their mother started to move down there. A couple years ago, I went on a road trip and uh, Texas is one of the stops we made and that was just my favorite city. And, you know, I, I always thought it would be cool to move there. And I was very, I'm very, very comfortable here. And I was just like, you know what? I just kind of realized, why can't I move out to Texas? Like, if worst comes to worst, I could always move back. Like, it's not like I'm stuck there. That You know, there's a Target over there. There's a Walmart. There's a gas station. There's a gym. It's very easy to make your life somewhere else. And if it doesn't work out, if I get homesick or if I'm just, you know, not feeling it, I could always move back. No, definitely.
0: And honestly, I've been to Austin, Texas a couple of times. um, And the environment, the people, the food is amazing. Oh my
1: God, dude, the food, I would get so fat if I moved there for sure.
0: Good thing that fitness is a big thing down there. There's a lot of really good gyms, a lot of powerlifting gyms as well. Um, Plus you can walk around all of like 6th Street and like all around like the, that part of Texas. It's a lot of walking and it's, it's a lot of fun. And I actually wanted to touch base on something you just said um, right before you dived into the move to Texas. You said that, you know, within a year you want to move out there. And you said, like, once you feel, you know, successful enough, what is success to you?
1: I don't know, man. I want to say that make enough from this to just pay my bills. Mm. And I would call that, look, it's it's, it's always going to be a moving target. I know that. I know I'm going to get there. And, you know, once I get enough income to, you know, pay my bills and stuff, there's always going to be, it's never going to be a, a time where I just sit there and say I'm successful. Like to me, that's not going to be successful. Then the next thing is going to be getting consistent clients and, you know, growing, growing my cinematography thing, whatever you want to call it. So it's, I don't really have a definition for that. I know that once I get there, that's going to be like the first step. It makes me, honestly, I was thinking about it the other day. It just makes me super nauseous and uncomfortable to think about. The more I think about it, because I know that the time is coming. Is this something like, I don't know. Uh, you know Robbie Boyd, right? Uh, I do not. Oh, he he was a Knicks videographer.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: So yeah, we were talking, and I was like, "Man, I can't wait to I guess so I get to do this full time." And he was like, "Dude, just quit tomorrow and do it." And it just, there's just something about that that just makes me so nervous. Like I do understand that sometimes I I know like hands down that I could do so much if I had more time to do it, but I just don't feel like it's right for me mm. to quit and just. Cause obviously like I know that if you need it bad enough, if you need this to survive, you're going to find a way to do it. But I just want to make it like Max tuning, you know, he didn't just, he he took a risk, but you know, and same with Chase tuning, it was very calculated a hundred percent. You know, I want to be at least okay with paying bills and stuff that, You know, I'm just like okay. I know I could. This is gonna be a lot of work in the beginning, but I could still quit this nine to five and I could do this full time. It's gonna be rough in the beginning, but I know I could at least get by for a couple months or something. You know.
0: I think it was either Zach. I'm pretty sure it was Zach Kravitz that said this, but I remember when he was on the fence about you know going full time, um, having about six months uh, rent like saved up just in case anything happens, just to make sure that you have something to fall back on is incredibly important and I personally am kind of in the same boat with you where I know that I could do what I do full-time if I wanted to but it's that risk of knowing like what if things don't work out but then again you have to remind yourself you're betting on yourself and personally I, I came from a very Spanish household where my family are immigrants um I'm a first-generation um, Guatemalan in my family, so I know the sacrifices that they made. And stability is a huge part of my culture. Um, I'm not sure if your family has come like that, or if you've ever been through something like that where stability has. And I think that's the the biggest part about going full time is the lack of stability and creating your own infrastructure.
1: Yeah, dude, I totally you know I totally understand where you're coming from because. It's the same way with me, like my, my family immigrated from Mexico here. So, you know, they know what it's that it's like, you know, it's like the way they see it, like I'm already there, you know, I have this nine to five that I can very easily move up in. And what's, what's hard or how did I say this to my friend the other day? What makes this really hard is that it's easy. And the way I, I, I said that was like, this is hard because it's so easy for me just to say, man, I'm good. I'm set. I can just chill at this job and I'll have, I'll make, you know, a couple, a couple, th- uh, tens of thousands a year. And I'll have enough to make a, make enough for my family, making enough for a nice car for a nice house. It is very easy for me just to say, why am I doing this? You know, I could just keep working this and you know, not end up going the other route because I know, I know a hundred percent it's going to be hard. I know that, um, I'm going to work more than eight hours a day some days. And I'm completely okay with that. But it just the end goal is, you know, that I get to do this for a living. And it's, you know, what they say about if you work, if you enjoy what you're doing, you never work a day in your life.
0: Oh, no, totally. And it's, again, you know, starting over, starting new. And the idea of moving to a new place and starting a new business, it's, it's all on you, which is very different. It's very easy. You know, I work at a college and like it's comfortable. it's cozy. They take care of you, but at the same time, you feel like there there's a a bigger calling. How do you um or what advice would you give to someone else? you know, maybe who's looking to build a client base? I know you started uh, to talk a little bit, kind of justify you know, that one. once you get to Austin, starting a client base. maybe you already do already in California. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting?
1: Honestly, I got super lucky last time or actually in general, because people just started seeing me with the camera and they would ask me to film stuff. And, you know, people eventually started asking me, like, why don't you, how you consider doing this, like, you know, as a job or something on the side, you can make money doing it. And I was like, I can make money doing videos. Like, I really didn't think it was something that you can make a sustainable living off of. But yeah, most of the time, I honestly just got lucky. The first one I ever did was for my friend Jacob. I did his American Ninja Warrior entry video. And I was nervous as hell, man. It's just so weird to do a video for somebody else because you know, you don't you want them to like it, it's your vision. And filming for somebody else is so different than filming for yourself. Oh, like percent It's the, the the amount of like I couldn't I've never done a wedding, but I've heard that's the most nerve-wracking thing you could ever do in your entire life.
0: Uh, my first wedding, so <laughs> I ever did was for a friend, and very similarly, like people started asking me if I did videos because I held a video camera, and I would do it in the gym all the time. Um, And I would share my videos, and my friend was like, listen, we don't have a lot of money. We could pay you, but it'd be very little. Can you do our wedding? And I was very much on the fence, like, should I, am I even qualified?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought too. I was like, I don't think I'm qualified to do this.
0: But you just kind of like, honestly, it's you YouTube how to do it. You find the answers. And then once you're there, you kind of start to get an understanding of what's what's good and what's not. But weddings are very difficult. Even events that only happen once, like a speech, you only have one shot. Um, and I think that's the reason why things are so difficult.
1: Yeah, it's not like it's not like the <laughs> the priest or whatever says, you know, I now pronounce you man and wife, and then you miss the kiss, and you're like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can, can we do that one more time? I yeah, was underexposed that
0: happen. <laughs>
1: yeah. You get one shot, you get one kiss, you get one like shot of those things. And I can only imagine how stressful that is. I, I really want to do more stuff like that. Cause you know, it just, it's like, you're working out that muscle, you know, you get super nervous and whatever, but eventually you figure it out. And then the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Oh,
0: 100%. And you know, one, so you and I, we met in Zach's course. And I think that Zach and we talked a lot about all of this, you know, whether it's like the pressure or just like filming in general, um you know, what are some things that you've learned from Zach, not just the class, but Zach in
1: general? Uh... So, funny story. When I first heard of Zach, yeah, I heard about him, Brandon Campbell. And I started watching his video on Campbell's channel. And I wasn't a fan, like, honestly, because, like, Brandon Campbell featured Zach Kravitz. I just, I tried, like, I maybe I watched, like, 10 seconds of it, and I was just not a fan. And same thing, and then I remember Travis featured him, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it another shot, and I started watching the video, and again, I just could not get into it. And I think what it was, was I was so, like, used to the vlog style, the, that YouTuber style that, you know, I watched uh, Travis, I watched Max Chunin, Christian Guzman, that when I watched Zach, I was like, this is kind of boring, you know? Yeah. So, and then, you know, Travis kept talking about him and this is and that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this guy another chance. I went to his channel and started watching his vlogs. And I gave it a chance. Just like when you watch a Netflix series, you got to give it more than like 10 minutes or the first episode sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: So I started watching his videos and eventually I'm like, God damn, dude, this guy, they're like movies. It's and then
0: brilliant.
1: <laughs> it, it's just like, there's no fancy transition. There's no... Music with the EDM drops and the RGB splits and whatever, but it just caught my attention. It's so professional, his colors, everything. There's something about it that I I couldn't pin my finger on it, but I was like, man, I want to start. I want to do like I don't want to. I've never been a huge fan of the Casey Neistat vlogs, to be honest. Like I like everybody that was influenced by him, but I just I couldn't watch his vlogs. Yeah, and and I was just like, man, like I want to. I don't want to say I want to be like Zach Kravitz, but like his style really changed once i started watching his videos you could definitely see my style like change
0: oh definitely and i remember similar i was very much into the vlogs i I followed max tuning was the only vlogger that i followed i never watched christian or many other youtubers or uh, Casey nice that but zach was the one that i was like whoa like that i I love the colors it looks like a movie the entire time i was like could i do that Um, And eventually I started working more and more and more on it. And over the years, it just kind of slowly just became a little bit more polished in the storytelling. And when Zach said that he was starting a course for cinematography, I was like, I'm all in for it. Like, I want to learn from you. And I personally was on the fence about taking it period because I was like, oh, I'm good. Like I'm a good videographer. Um, I bet there's not much that I can learn from Zach. And I feel that I was the farthest from right. Like, I was totally wrong. I felt like I learned so much about it. Uh, About, you know, filming. What was it that made you want to take Zach's class? Like, when he announced it, what made you want to take part?
1: So, honestly, when Zach announced he was doing a course, too, I was very, I I was really excited to want to take it as well. But, like you, I kind of said the same thing. Like, Like, number one, okay, yes, it is kind of, expensive but and i also i was talking to zach and i like i was i want to support him and this is a nap but at the same time i wanted to also be able to say i learned how to do this by myself like i thought my videos are pretty decent like i'm not cocky but i thought they were okay you know mm-hmm. i was like what what is this gonna teach me that i haven't already learned or that i can't learn on the internet he's like all the information is out there you know you just youtube and google and eventually you'll find an answer it's all out there why am i going to pay for this but taking that class was undoubtedly the best thing i could do in general because what, what i tell people because a, a lot of people a lot of people actually ask me a lot of people ask me why i took it and if it really helped and i say dude 100 percent. like honestly what it helped with the most was it just everything just clicked super, super, super easy. Like, And it was all basic things I never paid attention to, like composition, like lighting, and storytelling. And that that those main things, like for me, one of the biggest things was when I learned composition, like proper composition, because every now and then I I always struggled with overshooting. I would shoot way more than I needed to. And and you know how that is. That just makes it harder in the editing process. You have to go through all the footage. But through Mm -hmm. Zach... It was just like, I understood why everything clicked. Because every now and then when you shoot everything, like all the time, you come across those clips where like, wow, that was really good. And you don't really know why, but you just know that it looks good. And then once I took that course, I figured out, oh, that's what made this shot good. It was the composition, was the leading line. It was the motion it provoked. It was the lighting. So just it was just those basic things that I was lacking, honestly
0: and i think it's something that i speak to like a lot of my friend videographers as well it's the importance of not moving too much for that was one thing that like i was blown away with like like i would always think like if you have a gimbal you should be moving around like a video is moving you should be moving and to me the one that was like you don't have to move all the time like some of my best videos that i do have little to no camera movement you just let the act let, let the scene take place. Just sit down, frame it, and let let it tell the story. Let it evoke emotion. Movement can sometimes take away. And to me, that was the one thing that like just blew my mind.
1: Yeah, for me too, because I always struggled with that too, is like I always thought, you know, b-roll, camera movement, you know, that's like the number one thing that comes into your mind. But it came to a point, like if I was shooting all day, it came to a point where I would do so much B-roll that like I would do left to right, right to left, up and down, down and up, diagonal. And then it came to like the point in the day where I didn't even know how to film B-roll anymore and I would just make the stupidest camera movements ever cuz I just didn't know how else to move the camera in a different way, you know. But then when he said this thing about you don't have to move the camera all the time. You could just set, set it up, frame it right, and if what's it with the sh- with the what you're shooting? like powerful enough you don't have to move anything you just let that do the storytelling you know you let that do what it's supposed to do and provoke emotion because if you have like a nice scene and the camera like like in titanic where you know the 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 two people are on the the drawer or whatever and you know the dude is dying jack is dying whatever imagine that scene if the camera was like moving left to right it would
0: just take away from it completely
1: yeah, exactly. That's what I think too. From now on, like every time I see a shot and it just like, wow, that made me feel this kind of way. That was a really powerful shot. And I think of now I try to imagine that, that shot, if it was panning in and out or if it was moving left to right. And then, you know, I'm thinking to myself like, wow, that would just a tripod. And just because of what was going on in the shot and the proper framing, that really took us to the next level. It's not always, like you said about moving the camera and that's something I really struggled with until I took that course
0: what, well, what what would you say is something that you know now that you wish you knew back then? Like, with all these years of experience, what is the one thing? if you could take one thing from everything that you've learned and you can go back in time and be like, young Christian, this is my one piece of advice that I would just highly suggest you listen to. What would that one piece of advice
1: be? It's very much between composition and camera movement very much between those two i would say probably more camera movement than anything because it came like sometimes my friends would watch my videos and like one of them once told me it's like oh I, like right off the bat i already knew this was your video because of, like this left to right movement and then it got me thinking every time i would shoot b-roll like damn what can i do that's not left to right and if I, if only i would have walked back then and told myself hey you don't have to move the camera that would have made like the biggest difference it's funny
0: how it's oh we always have to go back to the simpler things i i see everyone and i don't know if you see this too like some people could drop money like if you have the financials like ability to just drop money on gear that's awesome like buying all this fancy equipment but sometimes some of the best things you don't need fancy equipment like having uh, uh drones and gimbals are fantastic but if you just bring it back and treat and this is how my mentality is like treat each shot in a scene as if it was a photo like let it play out like everything in that shot should be there for a reason um and that that's one way to really look at videos that has helped me a lot that's helped
1: me improve um i'm not sure if you feel the same way oh yeah 100 if you just if you could frame it like a picture then you know that's all you need. Either right you never, you don't need to move left to right and pan in and out and do this crazy. I love Peter McKinnon too, but like this crazy whoosh transition and like you know the speed ramps. Like you don't always have to do that. Sometimes you could just leave it and just let that shot tell the story. And it does wonders.
0: Oh no, definitely. And it's it's great to have people to look up to, have sources of inspiration, and just like for creativity. What do you think
1: inspires creativity for you? For me, I would definitely say that it varies, honestly. Like, and that's what makes it like, that's what makes it fun. I can get motivation because I'm not, I'm not very like extrinsically motivated. I don't like to just rely on that, but it's always just a spark of the moment thing. Like I'll be listening to a song and then I'll get like a vision and then I'll get up my phone and start typing, you know, these shots that I have in mind before I forget, or I'll be watching a movie and I'm just like, oh, wow, this inspired this. Or I'll just, you know, like look at something a certain way, a certain angle. And that inspires me to make something. For me, that's what it is. it's re- It could really be anything. Do you find that creativity is more of an intrinsic
0: thing or something that just comes to you or something from your surroundings? Because I know a lot of people, including myself, you know, where you're in the zone or just you're creating like nonstop, like it just comes to you without even trying you could sleep and just have a new idea but there are also times where you just kind of hit a wall and you're just like i can't create or like you're you just it, it, you're unable to you're unable to have that
1: vision to
0: you where does that creativity come from do you think it's from within or from
1: around man i want to say it's from within because i really want to i know what it, what it means man i know I what it feels like i know 100 percent what it feels like when you just have a block and you're just like, that's it. I'm done. I can never think of anything again. Like, I know what it feels like, but the best thing you could do, in my opinion, is just not do it. You just, I don't know, like the, the other day I saw a Peter McKinnon video too, where he was just saying, you know, if you don't have an idea, then, you know, don't force it. But then he also said something like, what was it? He said, uh, like, just try, like, just shoot something and it could just it really depends on the person. Sometimes you just need to shoot something and then you'll get an idea. And sometimes you just need to not do anything. It's very, it's very hard to answer, but when you take the breaks, cause I I've done a lot of the whole thing where I would kind of like, I haven't created in a while and I would just try to force something and it wouldn't, ever work out like i would i want to make videos and stuff i want to watch especially for youtube and stuff and i've had multiple instances where i would just try to force it and that video would just get trashed like it would never see the internet because you could you could just tell man when you know you're trying too hard to make something
0: i've definitely and it's funny that you mentioned this like back in june or even may I used to do YouTube a lot and then I kind of took a break, um, especially this year. And I remember I was trying to do one about my anxiety and talk about where I was and what was going on. And I remember I filmed the B roll, I had the talking, I had the whole like B roll, like music part of it. And I sat down and I watched it and I just sent it straight to the trash. I just, you sometimes you just need to create for yourself. And it's very easy in this day and age where you create something, you're like, oh, I'm going to share with the internet because I want everyone to see it. And I want to feel that sense of validation and just know that I'm doing well. Like, it's very easy to kind of get in that loop. Like, I just want it out there so people can say that I'm relevant and I'm out there. But sometimes it's good to create, not share, or just create for the sake of creating, just to kind of have that for yourself. But I, I'm also in agreement with you where, you know, if you're not feeling creative, you can't. Force creativity. It just kind of builds and comes in waves. It comes in naturally. And you can tell when something's forced out and not pure. It's very easy as a creator to do that.
1: Yeah. The way I explain it too is like it's uncomfortable for you and it's uncomfortable for somebody else to watch. Because I've like watched multiple YouTubers where I can tell they just forced a video and it just it was uncomfortable for me to watch. It felt like they felt so bad. Like they had to do me a favor and put this out there. And they were just like, dude, man, I'd rather prefer you. Not like take a break. Don't do it. And it come back to it when you feel like it. And if people could tell when you enjoyed making a video. And, you know, it really portrays that message. Like I said, you just feel when somebody is being forced to create, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to make it sound super negative, but you can always tell when somebody's like in a corner.
0: Oh definitely if you can see if you know someone's personality or you can start to get a vibe you can tell when something's just like you just put like a big question mark it's almost like outside of branding like you can sell when someone's in that branding zone and then you just see something that's there and you're just like they just put something there for the sake of putting it there um how do you evaluate your work or evaluate yourself um i think that's one thing that as a creator it's very tricky because we can be our biggest critics. Um but how do you determine whether a video or something that you create is good or what you feel is good, something that you're proud of.
1: So this is actually really easy for me to answer for once. And that is did I enjoy watching it? Mm. If I I, I only want to make like I still make YouTube videos very regularly, like once a week. But did I enjoy watching it? Is this something I would Watch if if I watch back that video and it's done and I put hours into it and I did not like it I did not have fun watching it I am not putting it out there I'm just gonna delete it worst con force content is the worst content that's something I like to say it just (laughs) it's just feel gross man I don't know what it is I've done it like don't get wrong like you know you got to stay relevant blah 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 you hear that all the time you gotta upload frequently make sure people like know you still exist but. It just feels gross when you just force something together, just do a bunch of clips together and try to make a story out of it. You put it up there and you watch it. And then you're just like, God, you feel almost, I feel disappointed in myself. I'm like, I'm deleting that and that is not going up. How do you determine whether a video is good or not?
0: Not just your own, but let's say someone else's. I think with our community and we're very lucky that we were in this community where there's a bunch of other videographers Uh, around us who are coming up which is great um but you see some where you're just like what are you thinking um what what makes a good video good and
1: a bad video bad good video good number one did they enjoy making it can i tell that they enjoyed making it because we all have different you know styles different ways of thinking and i get that and then uh, basic composition, really like if if you can like tell that somebody took the time to really compose a shot nicely. I think that makes for an incredible video that like if you have a a, a, like a center frame where the subject is in the center and you know that they it looks like they measured out from like how perfect that person is in the center that it just that elevates your video so much more. But if I were to like make it come down to one thing, I really think it would just be did i enjoy it and did they enjoy it that that is what makes a good video and is this gonna make somebody feel a certain way like if if the video was supposed to make somebody feel sad or you know think about a certain sad moment and it would just like you know made you feel a different way then to me that was not a good video
0: what's something that you see a lot of new videographers like what mistake do you see being commonly made like one thing that you're just like i see it all the time If I could, if I, if they wanted my two cents and I could give it to them, what is something that you commonly see?
1: Man, I'm going to sound just like Zach on this one, but I could totally agree. (laughs) It's, it's the freaking Sam Colder thing, dude. Like, honestly, I'm just like, why, why are you doing what everybody else is doing? Like, I understand when things change, when there's a movement, you got to adapt, but you're taking the exact same, like, Template as somebody else and copying and pasting it's like th- there's no creativity in that. I would say that's one of the biggest mistakes that and then people saying they want to start a channel or start to make videos and like what camera should I get? What gimbal should I get? Oh, I'm thinking about getting this gimbal. I want this camera. I want this lens. I want this as a nan. I'm like, dude, you don't have to get expensive equipment to just start. I would actually put that over anything. Mm. It just making spending too much money on equipment when you haven't even started yet like start with your cell phone you know you never know if you're gonna buy all this equipment it's not gonna work out and then what
0: no i i I think that's something that i would 100 percent agree on like in the sense of like equipment to me i see a lot of people especially in the boston area like just draw who are great at you know money but they're able to drop this money. And I see their content and it's like, you have one of the best gimbals, you have one of the best cameras and you're upgrading to one of even the better cameras like that I could never afford. And it's like, you have to work on your content. You have to work on yourself. You have to work on handling composition before anything. I personally started off with an iPhone six. six. Like my first YouTube videos were taken on an iPhone six on a selfie stick on a tripod. I stayed on that for two months making videos. And then I bought a Canon T6i and I was on that for about a year and a half. And then eventually I made my way over to the A7 series, but that was like two and a half years later, you know? Yeah.
1: I, I, I I completely relate with that, man. I started too on a crappy Metro PCS cell phone. And it's for me, it started with one video about me reviewing a training program that I did and then people are like, oh, when are you going to do vlogs and this, this and that? And I'm just like, I of see what I do, but all right, I'll try it. And I remember the first ever clip I recorded of myself. I sat in the parking lot of my old job, pulled out my camera, faced it towards me, and I just started recording. And I remember I felt so dumb. And then I, I but like the magic, where I found the magic was, was after I recorded that whole video and I imported it to Windows Movie Maker put music in it and cut parts out i didn't want and then like to create something from nothing that's when i really just fell in love with it i was like damn i'm surprised this happened and that's kind of how i caught that whole bug and then from there cell phone i had the rebel t3i which is another sto- a huge story that kind of elevated the whole process but then about a year later that's when i upgraded to the a 6500
0: So at what point did you know that this was something that you wanted to do forever or you saw this as like your, your next big thing?
1: Man, that's a good question. Well, I can't really pin it down to a moment, but what I love about YouTube is that it documents a lot of stuff and you can go back and rewatch it. And I was telling this to a friend of mine. I was like, you know, one of the things I loved that I recorded was there's this video I made back when I recorded it only on my cell phone and it was called uh, Disappointed in Myself. And why this video actually, no, this was recorded on the T3. Anyways, in this video, I'm just driving. I'm recording a vlog and I'm just driving to school. And I remember, man, I had this moment of like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to go to I, I wanted to go to school to be a welder because I heard they make great money. That was the only reason I wanted to go. Mm. And I was thinking about that. It was, I remember it was a winter day. It was during the fall semester. And man, I remember just feeling that. And I picked up my camera and I literally let out every, exactly how I felt. I let it all out on camera. And that was the moment for me to look back. I can look back and I get chills because that was the exact moment where it clicked with me. It's not like it clicked with me. And then I thought to myself, Oh, I'm going to wait till next week's video. And I'm going to talk about this. I did it right then and there. That's kind of what, I wouldn't say it led me on the path to made me think I want to do this, but you know, it's slowly and slowly unraveled. I just, cause I kind of like the, you do YouTube on the side or you make videos on the side and you have another thing. Cause I was talking about this with Travis. It feels like, like you're a superhero. Like you have your nine to five, blah blah, 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 blah. But then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on the weekends and on nights, you're like videographer. You can switch personalities really easily, you know?
0: Yeah that's powerful man like it's especially in our day and age where everyone's thinking about the future stability jobs you it's very easy to get stuck in that culture where you're just looking for something that you can do but you you know when it's when something's for you when it's your purpose when it's the only thing you think about and something that just makes you happy and i'll I'll talk to my friends when we're at a gig or something we're like wow we're so it's it's crazy to think that this was a hobby, and the fact that I do something that I love and get
1: paid. It's not always about money, but you know, it just it goes back to that message: if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Like it's crazy. Like somebody comes up to you and like, "Can you do this? I'll pay you." And I'm like, "Dude, sure. I would totally do this for free."
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like I re- I just remember when I first people say like. Oh, it's so cool how you make money off making videos. And it and I'm like, okay, yes, it is. And some people, and I don't want to get this like off the wrong way. Like, don't get me wrong. Making videos is a lot of hard work. Make, taking photos and editing and processing and like re-revisions, like there's a lot of creative juice that goes into it. And a lot of people are like, oh, all you do is make videos. And it's like, listen, to be where I am. It took me 350 YouTube videos, client videos that I've done for free, and just nights and balancing and just like, it was like two and a half years of fun, but things that was never recognized to be where I am today. And don't get me wrong, I am so blessed and fortunate for the fact that I do what I love every day. But the fact that there is something that helps me pay my bills, things that help my family like the fact that i'm able to like do a trip or a vacation like actually enjoy, you know, the fruits of my labor. It's amazing like i never thought in a million years that doing stuff with a camera would get me to my career which where i am now. Like i thought before i was in admission and going to grad school at night but i was also making youtube videos and traveling and then that ended up into my career change where I do social media and video and photos for college. And then also on my side, I do freelancing. Like, it, it just shows that if you do what you love, it may take a year. It could take three or four years. But somehow, if you put your love and positivity and just, like, all your heart and soul into something you truly are passionate about, I really do believe, and this can be the most hippy-dippy thing, but I do feel that the universe, like, will somehow reciprocate that and it just is a matter of timing like it will happen i'm not sure when but it'll happen when the time's right
1: yeah and if it's not work it's not meant to work out it won't like and you're gonna be just fine that's the thing it's not like i mean i i would relate it in the way like we all had that one friend i was not this friend but we all had this one friend that was like he was super into something for like a year and he was like all about it. And then within the next year, he's all about this thing. And then within the next year, he's all about this thing. And I never wanted to be that guy, but I just kind of came to the the realization that I really love this. And I've been loving this for a couple of years and I'm going to pursue this. And if it does, if like a couple of years, I end up not liking it, then that's fine. I'll just, you know, the universe is going to play out how it's supposed to play out. And then it's going to lead me down another path and I'll just follow it. You know, you just got to like, it's hard to follow what you feel with outside voices, but you really just got to do that exactly. If you do it and it makes you feel good, keep doing it. Like, going back to that video, like, you you like logic, right?
0: Oh, I love logic.
1: Okay. Well, man, but you're going to love me. Um, so <laughs> there, you know that, that in the incredible true story, that speech yep. that he says about how Like, it pretty much, we're just, people work for a paycheck, and then, you know, we bring up our children to think the same thing, and, you know, that whole speech. It's just
0: regurgitation and no vomit.
1: Yes, yes, as nasty as that sounds,
0: yes. It's totally true, though. Like, I hope that, should I ever have a day that I have children, um, for them to do what they love, because having that kind of, like just push down and not being able it's so sad to think that you can't do something that you love when it's your life
1: i me, know man that just
0: sounds so hard
1: yeah dude and it's like i was telling somebody the other day like this could sound really weird so i worked a lot and went to school and i like i said i don't like the definition of grind so nobody please say that word and that's all I would do would just like really save money and go to school and work and never really did anything, never travel, never spend money on equipment, never. And then I started getting into YouTube. Obviously, that requires, you know, once you get, it's like a hobby. Once you get into it, then you buy camera stuff and it's slowly but surely. And then you travel and, you know, that comes out of pocket, of course. Super personal. I'm going to say that I was financially better before I started getting into videography. because It's a very expensive hobby. Don't get me wrong especially yeah. with traveling and stuff it, it it gets really expensive but I could tell you that I may not be in a financially better spot now but I could tell you or anybody like I could die tomorrow and I would be a hundred percent happy with my life I'm not a big- time videographer I don't have a lot of money like whatever I'm not rich but I could die tomorrow and I would be happy with my life I could say that I did what i wanted to and that's really what gets gets me going is that i'm doing what i want and i'm i don't have regrets like the one of the worst things i I never want to be on my deathbed saying man i wish i would have done that videography thing you know i wish i would have pursued it more because one of the things that my mom told me that really gave me chills because i'm only 24. And when I was 22, she looked at me and she told me, I wish I would have done more when I was your age. And I just thought to myself, like, man, my mom is not even like 50. She's like mid-40s maybe. Sorry, mom. But, (laughs) man, dude, I never want to be in that position where I wish I would have said, I wish I would have done more when I was in my 20s, or I wish I would have taken the opportunity. I never want to be in that position.
0: I think when we start to think about, and this is going to sound very grim for a second, but when we start to think about death, Um, you have to, like, think about it in a beautiful way in the sense that you don't want to live a life knowing that death is inevitable. But, like, doing everything that you can, you know, everyone has, you know, a bucket list of, like, I want to do this before I'm 30 and 40. And it's like, well, you don't, you aren't guaranteed 30s and 40s. You aren't guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed this next year. So that bucket list that you have, probably a good idea to start cracking down on it as much as you can because, you know, and I, I kind of like heard this the other day and I, I think about more and more, like happiness is internal and you can't really change um, how you view the world until you start working on yourself. And like, you can work towards having more money or find that right romantic partner or, you know, get in that job or get that gig. But if you don't start to change, you know, your values or find what really makes you happy or what makes you tick or just finding peace within, you're not going to find happiness or peace with those other things. And once you're happy with yourself, the world could be collapsing and you'd be okay with it because you're all right with what you've done. And when I think about life and death and just, you know, money, like you said, like I'm not the most rich person and videography and traveling are expensive hobbies, but I'll die knowing that I did what I wanted to do while I could. And that's the most important thing that I think that we have, especially now. And I think it's something that I'm glad that our generation is starting to like experience more and more. It's not about what you attained. It's what you experience and just making sure that you go to sleep happy.
1: <laughs> yeah. 100%, man. And bring this back to another logic song that I could totally relate to in uh legacy. Right. Yeah. So, I had a stepdad that, you know, he worked crazy hours, man. And I only saw him, I would I would actually not see him at night. I would maybe see him for, you know, for dinner. And then Saturday and Sunday, he'd be so tired from the week. I wouldn't really see him except maybe on Sundays. But he was making a lot of money. We, me and my family were making, you know, a lot of money. We had a nice house, nice cars. We did stuff. But, man, I never saw him. And I never want to be that dad where I'm working so damn hard and my kids never get to see me but they have everything they ever wanted i would rather just like when uh, logic is wrapping that verse about from the kids uh, perspective i don't give a damn if we live in a shoebox you know i'm just happy with what we've got and as long as you know we're together and we're living that's all that matters like money is so it's nice but i'd rather like be in a financially stable spot where i'm not super rich but my family gets to see me and they don't have to you know, worry where their next meal is coming from, then I'm good. I don't I don't feel like I need to sacrifice my entire life to make this crazy amount of money just to make sure I have a lot of money. That's really dumb. What Man, boy. people that don't that don't like logic haven't gave logic a chance. That's what I say
0: yes no 100 percent. he he is one of the best storytellers like i don't read books but when his when his book comes out the what is it called market um marketplace? Uh, supermarket supermarket once that comes out i'm gonna be reading that that is the only book i will read
1: dude i hear you man i said that the other day too i, I said the exact same thing i was like i don't read books but i guarantee you i will buy like five copies and i will read one
0: oh 100 percent, man um So we're actually, you know, coming down to the end of the interview. And thank you so much for being on it. I have four last questions. Is that okay with you? Of course, man. uh, Hopefully we don't cut out. But yeah, of course. (laughs) So, you know, you're down to your last couple days of your life. And you kind of reflect. You know, you're in your 80s. You've done everything. You know, if there's one moment in your life that could have been captured, what would it be?
1: And why is it so important? God, man. Oh, that, that was a good question. There's one moment in my life. What could it be, man? Actually, there is one moment of my life, and I'm glad it was captured. It was in that video where I realized that I'm tired, or I don't want to work a job for a paycheck to get a lot of money and be financially stable. That moment in that YouTube video, I'm that is that one moment that I'm glad it is on camera and it's caught. Especially where I grew up, it's very common to just find a job that's going to sustain you and a family you're going to you know have a good living and i don't know once i had that realization i was almost kind of embarrassed to say it but then the more the great thing about social media you find a lot of people that feel the same way and you know that's when i started talking to more people about it and they're like dude you know that's perfectly normal you don't have to live you don't have to work a job you don't want to work to make a paycheck and pay bills like you just don't have to do that and it's just like that realization that, that that was a huge growth moment for me. And that's why it meant so much for me because that just led me on this path now of like, you know, it's okay to take chances. It's okay to not do the normal stuff. Oh,
0: definitely. And I think once
1: you start to realize what
0: your kind of like your calling is, you'll, you'll do anything for it. Um, my next question is actually uh, what would be your dream gig? You could do anything for anyone, whether it's video, photo, for anyone, anything, any event.
1: Your call. Easy, 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 easy. Shooting for logic.
0: I knew you were gonna say that. I was looking at my logic sweater, and I was like, uh, I, have a, "I have a feeling he's gonna say logic." To work with logic would be an absolute dream.
1: Yeah, I, I have the the Young Sinatra Four album looking at me right now, and that's. I just turned around. And I was just like shooting for logic. That's it. That's my dream gig. <sighs> to work with him would be so amazing. I know uh... not if i could just hang out with the dude and grab dinner i'd be happy but like to because he seemed like the type of guy that like you would tag him on instagram and he'd be like hey you want to do this video all right let's do it come out he seemed like he would be that cool now what is something that you wish more people knew about you man dude that was another good one damn i thought i had this down (laughs) uh something people wish they knew about me i would say that i'm very open-minded to anything and everything. With with anything, because I honestly, I used to be a very closed-minded person. Like, I didn't like rap music. I didn't like certain food. And it was just because I just really didn't want to try it. And so I wish people would know that I'm super open-minded about anything and everything. I could talk about anything and everything with anybody that wants to talk about anything, as long as they won't get offended. Debates, not, not, not debates, but just conversations about things that i don't really know that much about because i want to be i try to be persuaded honestly because i want to hear everybody's point and yeah i would say that's really it people i just wish people will know that i'm super open-minded to talk about anything i think the most important thing
0: that people should try to remember is just to be curious it's okay to have your opinions and your thoughts but i think that if you try to believe that you know everything of anyone You're dismissing the opportunity for growth. And I think it's so important for everyone to just talk about what they think.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was, uh, when my friend Riley was here from Trinity for Change, which I work with now, and it's freaking amazing that I do that and to even say that. But, anyways, we were talking about religion, and, you know, he was just kind of surprised that I was, how, like, there was no limit to talk about whatever we want to talk about and how open minded I was. Like, yeah, I had my opinions, but if you had a certain point, and you went super in depth about it. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I never really thought about that. And I just wish I honestly just wish more people would like that and not so hard headed. No, absolutely. Um
0: and now we're getting down to the last question. Um, how do you want to re- be
1: remembered? Uh that that was I was thinking about this last night too. I was I was I wanted to make a you know how I could post on Instagram like people like you could write a question, people can answer yeah. it. Yeah. I wanted, I I didn't want to come off like arrogant or whatever, but I just honestly wanted to type in there and just say, if I died tomorrow, what would you remember me as? Mm. But I'm not doing it. But to answer your question, I just wanted to be remembered as somebody that was super happy, positive, and really just try to make others feel the best that they possibly could. Mm. Piece of positivity.
0: Honestly, that's like, uh, I don't have any tattoos. But if I were to get a tattoo, I think it would be amongst those lines, just about kind of how you see others is how you see yourself. You know, I really do believe oh, yeah. that, you know, what you see in others is a reflection of whether your good qualities, what you, whatever you want to describe or determine as bad qualities, your insecurities, your, your strengths, or weaknesses. Like that's, that's how we see others. And, you know, the day that, you know, I depart from this land I just want to know that I did what I could for those that I loved, and just make someone's life just a little bit better, and whatever it. Yeah,
1: in. dude. Yeah, man. I, if I really had to nail it down to one thing, I would say is just that somebody that was positive, and all I want to do, hundred percent, all I ever want to do is just be a good person, and that's how I want to be remembered: a good person, positive, and try to make others feel. As, as good about themselves as they possibly could at whatever cost.
0: No, man, absolutely. And, you know, before I, uh, we depart ways, I just want to, like, say thank you for being such a great person, such a positive person. I love talking to you and, you know, you sharing your message um, and just, you know, you going on your path. And I wish you nothing but success and happiness and everything that you do moving forward, especially with the transition from California to Texas in pursuit of, you know, going full time and whatever happens and whatever comes along your way um, you just have a very bright spirit and I just wish you nothing but the best Christian
1: man I honestly can't thank you enough for letting me on this podcast I was super looking forward to it I'm sorry we kept cutting in and out and it's funny because the more I was listening to your podcast because I didn't know that it was already launched I'm like wow we're very similar you and I (laughs) it's funny how the world works right yeah like dude I I would I would be 100% down now i have a reason to go to boston to go to boston like shoot for you shoot with you and hang out and listen to logic and whatnot well, if
0: you're ever in boston you got a place to crash man where can people find you
1: um youtube my name christian carranza um instagram christian dot i probably need to change that to something a little more catchy <laughs> but uh that's about it man i really thank you seriously so much for having me on here man it really means a lot to me and Hopefully, we get to connect more in the future. I'll have to come to Texas or California. That's for sure. Let me know, man. Let me know. You got a place to stay. All
0: right, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Cinemania. We'll be back next week with another episode. And thank you, Christian.